our New Testament reading this morning, I'd like to ask you to take out a pew Bible. Grab a pew Bible, and we're going to walk through uh, our scripture together and spend some time uh, looking at some parts of it. The book of Romans is quite a treatise in and of itself, and full of important Christian con uh, concepts. Um, it's very different than much of Paul's writing. It's written in such a way where Paul lays out, presents a case, if you will, as a lawyer would, uh, to the church in Rome. Now, Paul has never been to Rome. He did not start the church in Rome as he did so many other New Testament uh, churches, but he wants to introduce himself and he wants to lay out very clearly just who Jesus Christ is and what it means, what it means to the world and what it means for every person. So it's also a more complicated book. Romans is one of the books that uh, many quotable quotes have come from and many persons have taken these quotes into their lives, internalize them in a way that they've been guiding and sustaining. So it's full of remarkable uh, nuggets, if you will. But it is also um, somewhat complicated writing. So I stayed away from Romans for years. <laughs> I would let everybody else in the world preach on it. But um, <laughs> Let's take some time and, and share in this. I, I'm going to read it a little more slowly than I, I might and, and then see what might come of this. Our focus really is verses 1 through 5, but we're going to read all the way through reconciliation, uh, th sorry, to the end of uh, verse 11 that ends with a, an important word. And there are important words. Put your hearing aids in, you know, your antenna up. See how the scripture speaks to you that it might uh, be heard in, in, a, in a new way or uh, in a meaningful way. So here we go. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, which means to be set right, we are set right with God, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access. Last week, we, I talked about flinging open the doors of the church, flinging open the doors of our hearts. That's what it means to have this level of access, is that we open the doors to experience and understand God's grace. To this grace in which we stand, not sinking sand by any means, but a firm foundation. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. Now that sounds like a strange thing to us, boast. How do you boast in God or about God? But we boast about a thousand earthly human things, do we not? And yet this is to take a different perspective of, well, this is where we stand, this is what we've been given, and this is what gives us reason to proclaim that there's hope. There's a reason for a new day. We are new beings in Christ. 
we also boast in our sufferings. I'm not sure about you, but how many of you want to boast in your sufferings? It's almost an impossibility, it would seem. But from it, when God is involved, through Christ and the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, even our sufferings can be turned, can be transformed, we can be transformed into something new, into God's creation in a way that we find life experience very differently because we have endured through our sufferings. We boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God, and not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. There's only so many choices with our sufferings. With God, we can endure. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. What does character mean to you? What is our character? It's certainly something we should take stock of. What is my disposition to life? What are my best qualities? Am I sharing them with the word, with the world? What is my character? Do I have strength in character? Character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. I've spent a lot of my life being disappointed. Have you? Have you not known disappointment? How is hope then not disappointing us? And this is where Paul is seeking to say this isn't just any hope. This isn't just any strength. This isn't just any endurance. This is only ours because of who and what. Jesus Christ has done for us and because we have the experience of Father, Creator, Son, Emmanuel, God with us, and the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit with us. Hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts, poured, rained down, sprinkled, we are not without it. It has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, while we are still human, at the right time, God's time, Christ died for the ungodly. That really is another way of saying Christ died for those who perceived themselves to be God putting themselves in the middle of life. Indeed, rarely, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. We would give our lives for those we love, I believe. We would insert ourselves to save and protect someone else. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Yes, imperfect, limited human beings, beginning and end human beings. 
But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified, made right, set right by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through whom our Lord Jesus through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Reconciliation takes us back to verse 1. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace. Peace and oneness with the Lord our God. We offer our thanks and praise this morning for that scripture and Paul's desire to make it known to all the world. You know, it may not strike us that there were Christians who lived without a Bible. The early Christians lived without the scriptures as we know them. They began with letters just like this that were shared throughout the early church. And they were the first gospel, the first story of this is Jesus' life, and this is what it has meant for the world, for Jesus to come into this world. I hope as you were looking at the scripture and, and hearing the scripture this morning from Romans, you might have heard certain words, words like with, with God, that a relationship is implied there. Peace. We live in a world without peace. Life is so challenging, it's extremely hard to have peace, to be at peace, or to feel reconciled, set right. Right relationship, not only with God, but those that we live with. That is certainly the challenge of our time. The late Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, that translation of scripture that has been so helpful for so many years for so many people, he looks at Romans through a bunch of questions, and, and here they are. How does it happen that in life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, world history took a new direction, and at the same time, every man, every woman, and every child on the planet was eternally affected. What does it mean that Jesus saves? What are the implications for your life, for our lives together? Well, those are the profound questions we ask ourselves when we come up against the challenges of life and the despair that life can bring and when our faith feels barely a spark. We ask those questions. What does it mean for Jesus to save in my life? And that's exactly what Paul was trying to do. Paul was trying to ask those questions and answer them to a brand new group of converts, 
People who from Pentecost had gone out far and wide. They had gone even to the center of the Roman Empire. They went even to Rome. And there they began a church. They gathered in prayer and in song and in worship that they would know the presence of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that they would then share that news because it mattered. It mattered to your hope. It mattered to their neighbor's sense of firm foundation. It mattered to any possibility of peace and reconciliation. It mattered. Life and death for the Apostle Paul. And so we have this remarkable, remarkable letter that Paul has put together for us. One of the things that we learn from these pa this passage and from life experience is that we live in a tension. We live in the tension of wanting to do well, wanting to do right, and as Paul says later, why is it I do what I don't want to do? So we have that tension of the sinful nature or the imperfect nature or the limited nature of who we are. Right up against, we belong to God, we are children of God, God sees the best in us and seeks to create, to bring us along to be his children in the world in a way where people say, I want to know more about that. I see how people love and share and open doors and make a difference in the world and in the lives of people. So we live in that tension. We look around us, we're besieged by the news, and we would give up. So what makes us not give up? What makes you get up out of bed in the morning and look in the mirror and see yourself rain down upon with the glitter of the glory of God and then even more feel like you can walk out the door and do something that will impact the world, change a person's life, improve a person's spirit, and carry yourself through in a hope we need it. We each need it. We long for it. And we don't want it to be as fleeting as it can be. How are you doing today? Well, you know, today I'm pretty good. Sun shining. I accomplished a cup. My list, check, check, check. I only got one more thing to do. I'm all right. The next day, out of nowhere, you've been given a diagnosis you didn't expect. You may have lost your job. You may have lost a person. You may have entered the world of pandemic. You may be wondering, what do I do to bring peace in a world that I don't see peace? Well, it does begin with us. It begins with what we're doing. And this is what Paul is saying. It begins with as we gather, as we pray, as we proclaim, as we sing, as we hear as we look in the mirror and say to ourselves, you lovely creature, you, 
You are a child of God created in God's image. And because of that, you have hope. It's not your hope. This is not the hope of the guy next door. Because of that, you've got endurance. It's not your own endurance. Your own endurance left you long ago. And on it goes because, again and again, we turn to the only place we can turn for endurance, for strength, for hope that carries us through one more day, no matter what. No matter what. And we cannot do this alone. If we could have, we would have bottled it, sold it, and been rich. We need each other, but more than that, whom do we need? We need the power of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. My husband and I recently moved after 20 years in one place in one church. One says to oneself, oh my gosh, I'm leaving everything I ever knew. But God provides. We do have a Lord of provision. And everywhere you go, you will meet wonderful people. If you got the right lens on, if you've adjusted your glasses, the ones that God is providing for you day by day, you begin to meet wonderful people. I've met a new dear friend whose name is Carolyn. With her permission, I share her experience. She's in her late 80s now. At 80, she was diagnosed with uh, sarcoma on her left side. She now has lost an arm and a shoulder and has a 91-year-old husband to take care of. She said, what you preaching on this week, friend? And I said, well, I'm doing Romans 5, 1 through 5, and she repeated it to me. I said, I guess this is a, a life verse for you. She said, it's how I've endured. I say it to myself all the time. It's how I know I'm limited and imperfect and that my life is terminal. But that's not where my hope lies. My hope lies in the fact that I am glorified dust. I belong to God now. And I will belong to God when I see him face to face. And that day will come. And until then, I will allow God to be at work with every pain and all the suffering, and she has known it, and watched her, her husband, who is also a pastor, retired, very retired, <laughs> 91. Um, but you never know. You know. A lot of folks are just sailing away at 100. Watching someone you love diminish. Her hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ. Together, we need to remind each other of that. Together, we need to proclaim it. Together, we need to share it. And when we are weak, we have to open the door of our hearts to receive. You know, God is at work providing new friends, people who will help. This woman was one independent person with five children, three children, sorry. 
She probably doesn't need two more, but five children, three. And so she um, has learned to have to rely on other people. I have learned what it's like when you have one hand and one arm that's pretty tired. Think of what you can't do. In some ways, we're all there. Many days of our lives needing the help of others. So I hope this morning as you have come to worship and experience the presence of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you will know, that you too will know, whatever you are facing, you do not face it alone. And you are, you are glorified dust, not in the end someday, but every day, from now and even forevermore. Amen?